0: The Heritage Foundation. I'm Tim Descher, and this is Heritage Explains. A few weeks back, members of the Chabad of Poway were joined together to celebrate the last day of the Jewish holiday of Passover. The purpose of the holiday is to celebrate God liberating his people from the bonds of slavery. It's a wonderful, sacred tradition. But around 11 a.m. on April 27th, 19-year-old John Ernest entered the synagogue and began shooting. On the last day of Passover, bloodshed in the middle of Shabbat services. Chabad Poway near San Diego was packed when a 19-year-old white male shooter entered with an AR-style rifle and opened fire at 11.23 a.m. Authorities say he killed an older woman and injured at least three others, a young girl and two men, including the rabbi. According to eyewitnesses, the rabbi kept speaking.
1: The witnesses say the gunman was about 5'8", wearing sunglasses, tack vest, and he had multiple magazines on that vest. He had an assault-style rifle. Uh, there were about 100 people inside at the time. He, he fired about six shots, according to witnesses, and then a pause and another burst. Then apparently, according to the sheriff, his gun may have jammed. Some say he cursed anti-Semitic remarks. Others say he didn't.
0: When it was all over, the gunman took the life of Lori Gilbert Kay and injured three others, including Rabbi Israel Goldstein. Rabbi Goldstein had this to say.
1: The shooter left, this terrorist left. I turn around to assess the situation. And I walk into the lobby, and I see Lori laying on the floor unconscious. This is the most heart-wrenching sight I could have seen. I was frozen in time. I grabbed a prayer shawl, wrapped my arm, my fingers with it. That was just hanging, dangling, and bleeding all over the place. My congregation was gathered outside here. And I said, I got to do something. I got up on a chair right here. And I looked at our congregation. And I said, I'm Yisrael Chai. We are a Jewish nation that will stand tall. We will not let anyone or anything take us down. We're all created in God's image. We are all partners in creation. No matter what faith or religion you're from, we all have to make this world a better place to prevent this from ever happening again.
0: While it's inspiring to hear such hope in the presence of tremendous suffering and loss, we say to our Jewish friends mourning this tragedy, may God console you among the other mourners of Zion and Jerusalem. This act of terror is not a standalone incident. Last fall, a gunman opened fire at the Tree of Life Synagogue in Pittsburgh, killing 11 people and injuring 7 more. A few weeks later, in L.A., another man unsuccessfully attempted to kill two men walking out of a synagogue by trying to hit them with his car. These horrific incidents raise several concerns. Perhaps one of the most pertinent questions to ask is, Why now? What is inspiring this rise in hate crimes against Jewish people? Is anti Semitism on the rise in America? Joel Griffith is a research fellow in the Rowe Institute here at the Heritage Foundation. He's also the chair of the DC Young Jewish Conservatives. This week, we talk about moving on from such a tragedy, but also get real about the lies that are fueling the rise of anti Semitism. Joel, what was your first reaction to the most recent shooting? My my reaction was one of uh, one of one of shock
2: and one of horror that this could occur at a synagogue and this synagogue in particular it, it's known as a Chabad house and uh, for the listeners that aren't familiar with that and, and most people aren't um, these are sm- usually small synagogues um, that are that are really established across the world and they are known to be a place of just very warm communities. I've attended these small synagogues now for 10 years. Sometimes they're held in small homes, sometimes they're larger, but in each one of these, you have a sense of community and you have a rabbi, and that rabbi who's there, he's not just there to teach you Torah or teach you the Bible once a week or whenever you show up. These are individuals that are There with you to give you advice, to listen to you when you're going through personal, even professional pain. Um, And they're there. They're there to listen with you. They're there to celebrate with you. They're there to give you life advice and to think that someone could enter into a place like that and target people who are there together together celebrating one of those treasured holidays, Passover, and then to target a rabbi such as that. It's, uh, it's, it's absolutely sickening, and, and it's, uh, it's heart-wrenching.
0: Yeah, and in response, you wrote this piece, um, and I'll just read the title of it. It's very, even the title is uh, compelling. It's, Lies are Fueling the Rise of Anti-Semitism... And everyone should read this piece. I'm going to link to it in the show notes. So please log on um, and read it. It does a great job of giving, um, Joel, historical context and at the same time linking that history to our present context. So starting off, can you just give me a definition of anti-Semitism? Yeah, well, um, the the
2: definition that... Uh that I think is actually quite concise is one that is found on the U.S. Department of State website, actually. So I'm I'm going to quote that. Um, Anti-Semitism is a certain perception of Jews, which may be expressed as hatred towards Jews. Now, that type of hatred, that can be manifested in a variety of ways. Um, it can certainly be manifested, like we've seen, not just with these shootings, but we've seen on a fairly regular basis now um, in Brooklyn, New York, for instance, there's a there's a community of tens of thousands of Orthodox Jews. And for someone like that, the um, Hasidic Jews, you know instantly that they're Jewish because of if they're a man, they always have a beard as an adult. They have a black hat, um, very distinctive dress, black dress, white shirt. So, you know that, you know, that person is Jewish when you see them. And there have been a number of incidences on video now where you'll see sometimes elderly men walking down the street and out of nowhere, someone will come along, not even to rob them, just to come along and sucker punch them Wow! and walk away or run away. And that's certainly a manifestation of anti-Semitism, a very physical one. But there are other types of anti-Semitism that are also, um, I wouldn't say, becoming prevalent in our society, but certainly becoming more normalized because people in authority are doing those. And those are um, directing um, hatred towards the Jewish people um, by spreading conspiracy theories or by spreading perceptions. And so we can get into
0: yeah, some Yeah, and you actually said in your piece, you, you actually refer to them as lies. Yes. And they're being perpetuated. The the lies of the past are now being perpetuated here in the present. Um, And I even saw, um, maybe as an example of that, and you make mention of it in the piece, some of these uh, political cartoons or or news cartoons that are popping up here and there, Um, and even the response to that. Maybe you could talk a little bit of that. Yeah, so um, this goes back hundreds
2: of years, uh, this caricature of uh, Jewish people as beguiling the world, Leading their masters astray, um, there's a famous book um, you can easily find online called "The Protocols of the um, Elders of Zion," and this was popularized about a, about a century ago. And the theory was that there was a small group of uh, Jewish uh, rulers, if you, if you will, that uh, control the financial system and that truly control the lovers of power, um, oftentimes through. Lending to 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 sovereigns, um, and this myth was perpetuated for years. Uh, much misinformation in the book, and this led um, governments and it led populaces to have an extreme mistrust of their Jewish neighbors. Well, uh, what's odd, and, and I'll actually mention that uh, back um, leading up to World War II, one of the Nazi magazines actually uh, popularized this as well um, with a cartoon, with a caricature of a, an Orthodox a Jewish man um, basically leading along Winston Churchill, on top, walking on top of the globe. And we think, well, that's that's shocking. It should be shocking to us. It's revolting. Well, it should be um, to suggest such ill will and to suggest that um, this 14 million people out of 7 billion are trying to do this to the globe and and to, to work mayhem. But we just saw in the New York Times a few weeks ago, a caricature of the prime minister of the state of Israel, Benjamin Netanyahu, with his face, a very distorted face, superimposed on a dog. A dog with a, and, and and lest anyone think this is just about the Prime Minister Netanyahu's politics, there is a star of David, a chain dangling from this dog's neck. And who was being led by the dog, not leading the dog, being led by the dog on a on a, on a leash? President Donald Trump. Wow. And not just any President Donald Trump. It was Donald Trump as a blind man with a Jewish skullcap on his head. And the point of that was suggesting that the Jewish state
0: of Israel is leading along blindly the United States. How can they get away with this? I mean, it, it, history is literally repeating itself, and it wasn't even yeah. that long history. Yeah.
2: It's uh, it's as if we haven't learned from history, and we haven't learned about these caricatures and how wrong they were. And uh, and, and on top of that, there's there's no... Truth to this, it's it's stoking hatred of the Jewish state, which is really um, be, beyond the physical violence that we've seen. Modern anti-Semitism is very often masked as anti-Israel or anti-Zionism, and we need to ask ourselves, what does that mean to be? What does that mean to to be an anti-Zionist, and why is that anti-Semitic?
0: You talk about this in your piece. How so in our institutions now, like our government? Bodies, that kind of a thing. Well,
2: traditionally, our United States uh, Congress has been um, uh, steadfast um, allies um, of Israel and for decades now uh, of the Jewish people and recognizing uh, the danger of anti-Semitism. What we've seen in the past year in particular are several new legislators that are openly anti-Semitic openly anti-Israel and once again i'm not talking about just critiquing a government of another country talking about hostility really to the very existence of the nation of israel as a and as a jewish state and those two in particular are representative tlaib and representative ilhan omar and just to give you um a just the uh, a brief explanation of of just how misguided she is and how hateful. Uh, back in uh, I think it was 2012 when Israel was in a war uh, against um, terrorists. They were they were in a war uh, a, a war of self defense. And in the midst of this war, Representative Ilhan Omar tweeted out that Israel is hypnotizing the world in the midst of this war. And uh, she's made a series of statements, including suggesting that uh, Jewish citizens uh, they're. Buying off politicians to support Israel,
0: she's been very clear um, in in all of this. Well, it's funny because um, it's it's not so much. I mean, there's there's there are going to be outliers. There's always going to be people that are way, way, way far, 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 far outside of the mainstream on this. But the more concerning thing, I think, and 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 you've mentioned this as well, is the response from people who know better, and how they're not responding. Um, either quickly enough or firmly enough against these comments. Yes. Uh, Well, it it was heartening to see so many Republicans and
2: Democrats criticizing some of the latest remarks from Representative Omar. However, some of these words, I would say many of these words, have been quite empty because, as it turns out, Representative Omar serves on the Foreign Affairs Committee. So we have somebody in the Foreign Affairs Committee that is repeatedly – Aligning herself with those hostile towards the only democracy in the Middle East, the only country, the only country that gives equal rights to minorities, both racial minorities and religious minorities. Wow. And she's going. She's constantly attacking them. And she has a seat on that committee. And not only that, I'll add, she's con- she's, she's been uh, embracing um, the, the the regime that's currently in control of Venezuela. She has a seat on the Foreign Affairs Committee. The House of Representatives has the power to remove her from that committee, not necessarily to eject her from Congress over this, but to remove her from the committee. And, you know, she still sits on that committee today.
0: Those are empty words, not backed with actions. We'll continue our conversation with Joel after this short break. Do conversations about the Supreme Court leave you scratching your head? Then subscribe to SCOTUS 101, a podcast breaking down the cases, personalities and gossip at the Supreme Court. Jonathan Greenblatt runs the left-leaning anti-defamation league, And you know they agree that anti-Semitism is on the rise. Um, but Greenblatt said this: quote "We're living in a charged political environment. Things are polarized in ways we haven't seen in recent memory. People are on edge in part because they are following their leaders." When leaders at the highest levels use incredibly intemperate language and repeat the rhetoric of extremists, we shouldn't be surprised when young people, let alone others, imitate what they see. Now, end quote. (laughs) Obviously, he's probably pointing to President Trump in this uh, statement. But in my perception, Trump's been a pretty close friend of Israel. So where's Greenblatt off on this? This administration has spoken out with moral
2: clarity on the right of Israel to exist, also the right of Israel to defend herself and placing the blame where blame is due for the unrest in the region. And that's on those neighbors. I'm speaking in particular to Hamas and the Palestinian Authority, those neighbors that refuse to acknowledge the right of Israel to exist as a Jewish state. There are Organizations, There are entities such as Hamas that rules Gaza that are committed to the annihilation of that nation. And I think far more important even than the support that we give to Israel militarily is acknowledging with moral clarity that there's a right and there's a wrong. There's a good and there's an evil there. And the administration, through our uh, former uh, ambassador to the UN and Nikki Haley, Ambassador Friedman, and President Trump himself, have spoken out with clarity
0: on this. So, draw me a nexus between this, you know, anti-Semitic movement going on, you know, kind of bubbling beneath the surface right now, um, and the shooting, what happened recently. Can you connect some of these dots for me? Well, with 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 the shooting, it's hard to pinpoint
2: um, exactly what it was that fueled his hatred. Um, I did read his, uh, manifesto. Um, it's, uh, although the rationale that he gave it, It spanned, it spanned the, the, um, the age old, uh, caricatures of, uh, the Jewish people as being a corrosive force on society. Um, it had age old religious bigotry as well. That goes back centuries. Um, that was in the manifesto. Uh, It had parts of it that sounded as if it could have been lifted in part from the protocols of the elders of Zion. Um, I don't know if this young man is uh, mentally troubled at all uh, as well. Um, But from his manifesto, um, it is apparent that his mind was poisoned by these myths and these caricatures.
0: So what's the fix, Joel? What do we do with this? How do, we, how do we change this perception? I mean, what, what, what is this? Well,
2: no, I think we, we, we need to definitely keep in mind that um, it's not just the physical violence that we're trying to prevent, even though that, of course, is important. But what we're, what we're seeing when you have an entire generation raised with lack of information or misinformation, you see people that are very susceptible to propaganda and 20-second sound bites, and that poisons people, even if they don't act with violence, even if they don't desecrate a cemetery, which is also on the rise. You end up with a situation here in this country where those who are Jewish begin to feel threatened, and the solution to that is to speak out, and I think more broadly, is to provide a greater historical context for 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 students, people can get all the way through high school and even into college and have no idea about the history, the rich history, not just of the Jewish people, the rich history in general of 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 the Middle East.
0: Joel, I want to thank you so much for uh, sitting down with us today, and I know this topic is close to your heart, and uh, we'll look forward to uh, reading all the other things that you have to say about it. Thank you, thank you for having me, Tim. Now, thank you for listening to this week's episode of Heritage Explains. Joel's op-ed and the other articles mentioned in this podcast are in the show notes, so please check them out. Also, we know there are a lot of new listeners to this podcast, so first of all, thank you. Second, if you have any questions, ideas for an episode, or simply want to write us to give us your two cents, please email us directly at managingeditor or you can leave us a comment wherever you listen. We'll be back next week with a new explainer. Heritage Explains is produced by Michelle Cordero and Tim Descher with editing by Thalia Rampersat. It's because of support from listeners like you that we can continue to produce podcasts like Heritage Explains and SCOTUS 101. And you can help us keep it going by visiting www.heritage.org podcast today to make your tax-deductible gift.